as we are standing together, I want us to uh, pray. And I want us to encourage the parents, the grandparents, the mentors, the adults, to pray for salvation of a children and a youth or a friend standing by you or that are not here. This is the beginning of the ministry year for us. This is the first Sunday of a ministry year for us. It happens in September. We are praying for a harvest, salvation, to come into the household of your friends, of your own family. So as we let the song linger in the heart, great is thy faithfulness. Can you pray for someone, for a youth, for a children, those who are not saved, that in this ministry year they will be saved? Can we pray that quietly in our heart for 60 seconds? for hearing our prayer. Miss Sharon, can you lead us with the greatest thy faithfulness? Let's give a big hand. Yes. And oh, wonderful worship. Please be seated. And the children in every classroom made the Spirit of the Lord work. And uh, we will see life change, life transform. So let's give a big blessing to the children as they go to the kids' zone. Thank you, volunteers and teachers, for all that you do. All right. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Look at all the kids that are here. I want to... Uh, let our uh, parents, grandparents, those who bring your children today, I want to let you know that we care and love your children. Not Maybe not as much as you do, but we really do love and care for them. And we want to thank you for bringing them here. So let's give them a big hand. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Are you ready for the Word of God today? Yes. Wow. That was great. Are you ready for the Word of God? Yeah, yes. So I was having a conversation uh, with uh, uh, one young guy, and uh, and he told me that uh, um, 
He liked the way I have presented God to them. That God can reveal Himself to us in our own way that we can find and encounter and know Him in our own way. Uh, and that will make meaning to where we are. He said He likes this. I like the God that you talk about. The God that, that will come and meet me where I am. I, I'm, I'm okay with that God. But the struggle that I'm having is that with this uh, statement that you made, that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. That is a big holder for me. I can't cross over. So uh, uh, I said, uh, well, it will come to you. You're seeking God in whatever form that you're seeking. If you honestly seek the Lord, it will come to you. You will meet Him if you're seeking. I wasn't trying to make Him cross over right there and then. I know that the Spirit of the Lord will work, but we have to pray for that. So, that is a struggle for all of us. And uh, we started a new series. We're going to start a new series. Uh, it's called the, uh, the Eleven Commandment. And uh, we know that we have the Ten Commandments. But we are starting a series in the fall, uh, the Eleven Commandment. Command the mountain to move. Right? Now you have heard, say, we should set a God-sized goal and have a God-sized faith. Uh, and it sounds very catchy, that phrase, God-sized goal, God-sized faith. But according to my reading of the scripture, uh, God did not demand that we should have a God-sized faith. He demands that we have what? A mustard seed size faith. If you have a faith of a mustard seed, you can command the mountain to be moved and it will be moved. So we're setting God's size goal. And I'm encouraging you to have a mustard seed size faith to achieve the goals that we have set for the new ministry year. So in these 10 weeks, I'm going to preach the 10 goals. We have set 10 goals for the church in the new ministry week. And the first goal today that we're going to preach is sharing the gospel to somebody that have not heard the gospel before. So we are, we have a goal that everyone, every member of our church, people that attends our church here, it will be a goal starting September 1st, Till the end of August in 2018, that you will share the gospel of Jesus Christ to somebody that have not heard the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? Right? The gospel, uh, one of the definitions of the gospel that Paul puts it, one of the great evangelists in 1 Corinthians 15, is that Christ died for our sins, He was buried, and He rose again on the third day, and she showed himself to his disciples and to more than 500 people at one time. That is a brief explanation of the gospel, to say that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. That there are certain points 
When you have created friendship, when you have taken them out for coffee, when you have taken out the movie and dinner and have done so many things, at one point you would have said that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no salvation that can be found on earth or in heaven except in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That will be the gospel. And you will share that to somebody that have not heard about it. Right? So we're clear on that. Any questions on the gospel? Anyone? All right. So that is our goal. Now you, you're going to ask, Pastor, why do we have this goal? I mean, we do it anyway. Thank you. Praise the Lord that you're doing it anyway. I'm doing this as a reminder that without the gospel, without the gospel, there can be no church. The primary task of a church is to preach the gospel. You take the good news and the gospel out of the church. It's like you take out Jesus from the church. And the church just become an organization, a club. And we can continue to exist without Jesus and the gospel, maybe even for 100 years. But that's not the kind of church that we want to have. Christ is the centerpiece and central and focal point of our church. We exist here because of Christ. And we want to share Christ to other people. Right? That's where we want to go. So, the gospel, sharing our faith. Sharing our faith. And so let me read it to you from Matthew 9, 9 to 13. Matthew 9, 9 to 13. And uh, if, you, if you have your Bible, you can follow with me. If not, you can just hear what I read it for you here. Matthew 9, 9 to 13. And Jesus went... On from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth, office. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors? And sinners. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Matthew 9, 9 to 13. And I want to talk about Matthew in terms of uh, sharing your faith today. This is not the only way to share. This is one of the ways to share. And I want to talk about that. So, share the gospel to one person. Share the gospel to one person. Plus one. Um, does that sound daunting to you? To share the gospel to somebody in this one year? No? Yes, do some, right? That is why we need to have the mustard seed faith. Okay? This is a God-sized goal that needs a mustard seed size. So, sharing the gospel to somebody that has not heard the gospel before could be a mountain for us. It's like, how am I going to do this? And we'd like us to have faith that God will open doors and opportunities to share the faith. So this morning, we're not talking about, okay, how is pastor going to 
use hermeneutic, what kind of hermeneutical style pastor is going to use to explain Matthew 9, 9 to 13? How is the exegesis going to be? What will be the context? Would he apply in the Old Testament? Would he do uh, expository preaching? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get us to work and live the life that God expects us to do. We don't want to become an overfed Christian here that we are fed every Sunday and do nothing about it. Right? So we want to look at what we can do. And you help me, and I will help you. So God's eyes. So, this is what I want to say. One talent. We don't want to become a one-talent Christian. Okay? What is the one talent? Matthew 25. The guy with that one talent, he was so scared that he hid that talent from the master. He didn't make any profit out. He didn't reproduce the talent. So what did Jesus do, God do, when the master came? He was angry and upset. He even took the talent and gave it to the one who invested it. It would be very sad in our entire Christian life if we do not reproduce one Christian. If you do not reproduce one Christian, you will be a one-talent Christian. And God did not expect, certainly, for you to be a one-talent Christian. God expects that you will make another disciple in your lifetime. This is not an option. It is a command. It's a verb, imperative verb, command. And I'm just reminding from reading from the scripture that we do not become one talent Christian that does not reproduce another believer. Our goal is to reproduce disciples of Jesus Christ. So we are disciples of Christ making disciples of Jesus. You with me? Right. So I want you to start cranking and thinking in your head how you're going to do that. How are we doing on this side? Are you getting some ideas? Yeah? Start thinking. All right. Middle row. I can see some smoke. You're starting to churn and burn your wood. Okay? I'm coming to this row later on. Not letting you guys go. One talent Christian. So, we have had pretty awesome August. I want to share this with you, okay? And the pretty awesome August was led by the children. It's, I remember the word, uh, the child's, a child shall lead the way. Because we started the August with, before the August, we started with a vacation Bible school. Do you remember that? And the kids came up here and they did their closing. And the kids were joyful and awesome. And they were singing and it just... Encouraged and lifted our heart. Do you remember that? Yeah, I want to give a hand to all those who have worked in that children, Vacation Bible School, right? And then, first Sunday of August, first Sunday of August was Hope Silicon Valley. One of our vision, Vision 2020, that we started like 15, 14 months ago, and we got to see God display His wonderful power and promises right before our eyes, and we were able to hope Hope Silicon Valley, free medical checkup, free backpacks, free lunch, free books, free haircut, 
we were able and we saw God working. Right? Awesome. And then the second Sunday, what happened? It was the youth Sunday. It was the youth Sunday and there was joy everywhere. In fact, people came out to me and said, Pastor, this is the church that I want to go. If you do like this, if you are encouraging and leading the youth to develop and to become a leader, this is awesome. Didn't the youth do great? Yeah? Yes? Yeah. It was awesome. And then what happened? Are you with me, guys, youth? You're not on your phone, right? Yes. I hope you're hearing the good things I'm telling. Okay. Uh, Just checking. Just checking, right? Um, And then the next Sunday, we have the one event Sunday. One. We joined with the Korean church and our church, and we have a one event worship. Oh, when the Korean lady and our worship leader, Minister Sharon, and they sang in English and Korean and worshiped. And when we heard the testimony of Pastor Paul of what the Lord is doing in the Korean church, there was so much unity and joy, and we were thankful about what God is doing in the midst of these churches here when the world is being divided and there's fear and hatred and people were literally killing each other. There was unity and love in this sanctuary. Right? And then we topped it off with worship in the park on the hot, sunny day. We had 96 new people that came in more than last year, even in the heat. And we were able to share our love, our joy, our music, our friendship, even our dance, right? Your pastor, your pastor even danced and uh, Sharon got a lot of heat on that, right? Now, but I want to share this. On Friday, uh, I went to the doctor, uh, on Saturday, I went to the doctor before worship in the park because I had chest pain. The chest pain has been there for a month or some, and more so on Wednesday when I had gone to work out, and then it lingered on till Friday, and I worked out on Friday. By the way, your pastor worked out like four or five times uh, in a week. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I don't look like it, <laughs> but I still, I still work out. And so I was concerned because my chest pain was there, so I went to see the doctor, and I was with the doctor before worshiping the park and checking my heart, you know, what's going on. And they say it was, uh, uh, it, there was an inflammation on your, on your bones and the cartilage in your ribs, so it's not, uh, not to worry. Then I came into worship in the park. And the next day, Monday, uh, I had to go to Berkeley uh, for marriage intervention. And my wife and I, we went up to Berkeley in the morning. And as we were going to pray and intervene with the couple, um, then I, I felt a sharp, tingling pain gripping, grabbing my face. And it went to the lips and the le- right side of the tongue. And for a split second, or maybe like 30 seconds, uh, I couldn't move my tongue and my lips. And the pain went down to my arm. And I'm thinking, whoa, what's going on? And I stood up and I'm trying to massage and do exercise. It was still there. Now the, uh, the, 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 we had to start praying. And so I said, you got to pray for me right now. I'm having this thing. 
it continued. You know, we were there till 12.30, from 10.30. And uh, I said to my wife, when we go home, because uh, I'm going to go to Kaiser. I want to check up. And I, I didn't say that I was having this thing. So I went to Kaiser, and I was in the hospital ER for eight hours. Eight hours. Right? They did a blood test twice, whether I was having a heart attack. And then the CAT scan. They did a CAT scan. And then they said they were going to do an MRI. I'm like, whoa, I don't want to go into this little tiny thing. And uh, they did an MRI. And when they were willing me to go in the MRI, I closed my eyes so I wouldn't even see the room and what the MRI looks like until uh, it was over and they willed me out. So when I was in the MRI, there were lots of noise. This is my first time in my life. So if some of you not have have NRI. It's, there's a lot of them. They put an air plug, but it's like gonging sound. Dong, dong, dang, dong. I don't know, right? I don't know what they're doing there. And, uh, I, I, and then I started praying. I started praying and say, God, I want to hear your voice in this noise. And I started praying and, and meditating on the Lord. And so I want to have an encounter with God. And as I was praying, a picture came to me in my mind. And there was my wife, and my two boys, and my daughter. You know, those, so I'm talking to God in that loud noise, and I have my wife, my two boys, and my daughter. And then I heard a voice within me, just a sense of peace coming to see what is important in your life. What is it that is important in your life? Right. And at that moment, I'm thinking, okay, when I stand before the Lord and encounter face to God, face to face with God, the things probably that I will relate to God uh, would be about uh, how I treated my wife, how I treated my boys, and how I treated my daughter. I, that's going to matter, right? And the, and, and, uh, and the blood test came back normal. There was nothing. The CAT scan, normal. Two blood tests came. But the MRI, uh, uh, you guys were right I, all along. Uh, your pastor is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> they found out that the, I was crazy in the brain test, so I got to give that to you, right? Um, but everything's normal. Everything, MRI, CAT scan, blood test, everything is normal. Then I realized about the struggle between the kingdom of God and the domain of Satan. Why am I telling this story to you? It is that God is real and Satan is real. You hear that? God is real and Satan is real. The kingdom of God is real, and the domain of Satan is real. When good things are rolling in the life of the church and the ministry of the church, then Satan is going to do something to distract you from doing that. So Santa Clara First Baptist Church, what I'm trying to say is that we have these goals and visions that we have put in place for our church, and the devil, the Satan, is not going to just going to sit by and do nothing about it. He is going to come at us. He is going to come at you. Don't be scared. I'm not trying to frighten you. But he's going to come at you to distract you from doing that. It could be health. It could be money. It could be relationships. Whatever form that will distract you from it. He is going to do that. Because the kingdom of God is real. And the domain of Satan is real. That is the reason why since 
God wants everyone to be saved, according to the Word of God, we also want to partner with God to save the souls of other people. You with me? Yeah. Okay. This is what we want to do. So we don't want so the kingdom and the domain. The kingdom and the domain. The good news is the kingdom of God has domain over the domain of Satan. The word of God says, who has the key to the kingdom of God? Who has the key to the gates of hell? Jesus. Revelation. Jesus has the key to the gates of Hades, the gates of hell. Satan does not have the key to open the gate. Christ has the key to open the gates of hell. Satan is just a gatekeeper. He can't even enter it. He may have influence over in that area and domain over it, but our Christ, our Lord Jesus, has the key of heaven and hell. And who does he partner with? Who does he give the authority of the pillar of the truth? To you and I. We have the power. We have the power over the domain of Satan. Christ, our Lord, has the key. And He's going to give to you and I to open that door and share the good news. Not to Satan. Not to Satan. Kingdom on domain. So we come to this story in Matthew 9. Okay? In Matthew 9, when we look at the diagram here, I want to talk about Jesus as the center there, uh, and the Pharisees, and Matthew, and the sinners, and tax collectors. There are five characters here. And what is interesting about Jesus is that, uh, uh, what is interesting about Jesus is here, when he was coming to Capernaum, which is his city, right? He's coming there and uh, going to city, his own city, has not been a good experience for him. From what I read, uh, there has been a lot of difficulties for him to come to his own city at the, at the point where he has to say that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown, right? And I can understand that. Like for me, I come from a culture where honor for the community, honor for the tribe, uh, supersedes everything. Everything that you do in your life has to be an honor for the society out there, right? Uh, and if you're Asian, you may have you may have this, the, and the Asian pride, and, and to look good in the community. And everything, everything that you do has to be like for the face of the society. You know, mom and dad and grandparents are so worried about what the society will think of you, your action. Why do you do that? You bring bad names to us. No honor, you know. So I understand a little bit of the culture where Christ is coming. In fact, my wife has preempted uh, strike uh, in, 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 the, in my hometown because we are going to visit uh, relatives and friends after Christmas. And she had already sent an email uh, to the relatives to say, do not upset your brother or your me uh, and give him raise his blood pressure okay we are coming but we don't don't raise his blood pressure so she made it a preemptive strike already you know i mean, she she's an asian tiger i love her right uh, uh, and uh, it's because of the culture right so when jesus was going to capernaum despite the challenges people not liking him his own family is questioning about him, who he is and what he say he was. Uh, he's always looking for an opportunity to do good works and to display the kingdom of God. See that? 
That's the difference, though, the Jesus model. The Jesus model here, right? So one thing we found about Jesus is that, so when he was going to Capernaum City, okay, what happened? There was a paralytic man, paralyzed. And he healed that man and said, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And whoa, the scribes were upset and they were saying, this is blasphemy. He is blasphemy. This is blasphemy. But he healed. He blasphemes God. Then he moved on from that area. And where did he go? He went on to Matthew. And Matthew, where was Matthew? Matthew was sitting at the office. Where? At the tax office. People that were coming from the sea, he's collecting the booth on the way. You know, those who are from the boat and the ship and those who are on the field to go to Damascus. He's collecting the taxes and sitting there. One thing we know, both the Jew and the Roman, even some Roman, detested tax collectors. Not only the Jew. Even the Roman officers detested Jewish tax collector like Matthew. And what did Jesus do? He went to the most detested person or group of people, right? To start an organic kingdom, the kingdom of God. I'm thinking, why would he go to, why would he choose Matthew? If you're going to start a ministry, would you go to the most detested person in this city to start something? Probably not us, but he did. He did. He went and called Matthew and he said, come follow me. So Jesus model and the gospel, seizing opportunities and evangelizing God's kingdom. Right? He seized the opportunity with the, the man who was paralyzed and then Matthew, the most detested person, a tax collector. And he displayed God's glory and honor. He seized that opportunity to evangelize God's kingdom. So, oh, yeah, this side. The names that you have been thinking, are there easy ones that you could somehow do or difficult people that will not be like you, that may be detested, that may be marginalized and outcast? Who are the names that are starting to churn in your head? What can we learn from Jesus? What can we learn from Jesus? Seize every opportunity presented to you. Always be ready to do good. Connect with people outside your comfort zone. Make connection with unchurched and unchrist. Right? Because Christ was called malicious names. He has malicious nicknames. Christ. Christ has malicious nicknames. So uh, last week, uh, I was drinking with some friends. Whoa, I saw somebody's jaw drop. <laughs> My wife and we went to a party, and they invited us, and um, they were like um, a couple of millionaires, I would say, uh, people that have their own business, uh, people that are really highly educated, and they have done very well. Uh, and they invited us to, and then, then, and then there was me and my wife, right? <laughs> yeah. So we went to the party, and they started pouring wine, and they say, uh, um, and uh, 
uh, they say, uh, Pastor, uh, do you want some, uh, what do you want to drink? Uh, do you want to have water? And, and so I say, oh, don't call me Pastor. I mean, uh, just call my name, you know? Don't call me Pastor. And I wasn't in the mood for wine, so I passed on. And then somebody came uh, with, uh, uh, with a whiskey, whiskey, right? And I don't know what happened. Suddenly there was a song that came up like, I don't know what song, uh, whiskey for a horses or beer for a horses or something like that. Right? Is there a song like that? Yeah? So uh, suddenly something started churning, you know, with that song. And I was in a mood for a whiskey. Okay? Um, so they start pouring whiskey and say, hey, uh, uh, do you want a whiskey? And like, I've never drank a whiskey, you know? Maybe like when I was, when I was uh, in college, when I was young, I tasted whiskey or rum or something and I threw out like a dog. And that was it. Right? I never started tasting whiskey. And, you know, whiskey does funny things, right? It loosens your tongue, I guess, and your body, right? And suddenly the friends there were there. I mean, they were hailing everybody. They were effing and a-holing everyone, you know? I am thinking, oh, I shouldn't have said that you shouldn't call me pastor. I want them to call me pastor again. <laughs> Jesus was, have a nickname that he was a wine piper. Like a joke, like uh, all winos are rhinos, you know. Um, and people start, you know, the things come. come. If you ate too much, you drank too much. They talk about, because he was eating and drinking with tax collectors, sinners. And the Pharisees, and they came and said, uh, you're a drunkard. You know, you have the spirit of Satan. But where are you going to share the good news if you don't hang out with tax collectors and sinners? You know, you can take your horse and give your whiskey to the horse. So you will have a sound mind to talk to them. But as I was sitting there with these good people, good friends, intelligent good people, I had an opportunity to talk with this young guy. And he came from one of the best engineering university. One of the best. I can see the skills and the talents and experience. And I say, so with all the skills and talents and experience that you have, what are you going to do apart from just making money? Right? What are you going to do just apart from making money? And uh, that that led to a conversation that I had a long conversation in that party where he come to say, I encourage you and your wife that you will have a small group and use your skills and talents and experience to make the life of other people better. That's what's happening with Jesus in Matthew, Matthew's house. Because suddenly... What was Matthew doing? The tax collector detested by people in Matthew model, right? Jesus is suddenly in his house. And the sinners are in his house. Tax collectors are in his house. And the Pharisees are in his house. And the disciples are in his house. Matthew had an encounter with Christ Jesus 
life-transforming encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then suddenly you find in Matthew's house, probably he is able, he is able, he had resources. He was throwing a Matthew party. He was having a dinner in his house. And suddenly the disciples, the Pharisees, the tax collectors, and the sinners, and Jesus was in his house. He was using his house as an extension of the kingdom of God because he had a transformational encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants the tax collectors, his, his colleagues, he wants the sinners, people that he hang out with, and the disciples, his new friends, and even the Pharisees who are all against Christ and all these people. And he put them together to have an encounter, life transformation encounter, extending his house as the kingdom of God. What can we learn from Matthew? This is one of the ways that if you are thinking how to share the gospel, I want you to use your house as an extension of God's kingdom. Invite your friends, your colleagues, to your house for a meal, for a cup, for a coffee. Don't invite people that you're comfortable with. Don't invite, don't take this the wrong way. Don't invite Santa Clara First Baptist members only. Only. Invite your new friends, new colleagues, and invite some of your friends from Santa Clara. And let them come to your house to mingle so they can what? Share stories. Share stories. This is one of the ways we can reach. We have to seize opportunity. The Matthew model of faith. I want us to think like Matthew. Think like Matthew. I was reading Google. Uh, thing with Google, right? Thing with Google. One of the uh, things that Google, uh, Google has done is uh, 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 they uh, uh, display market, right? The display market. The Google display market. Networking. It's, uh, it's creating a banner. A banner that, will, that is placed properly, contextualized, localized, so people can see the banner and then go and buy stuff. Or th- and do things. So more than one billion user, one trillion impression in Google. You're selling your company with that impression. Google wants you to think with them. So one one click will lead you to get things that they want you to get. Effective networking and localization. Reach out and connect with your network friends and colleagues. See, this is what you want to do. And then the next thing that I want to tell is that you plan like Matthew. You plan like Matthew. Plan like Matthew. Effective display and networking. This is very important. When Matthew was planning, okay, the, he was there. What, why did he have that party? He has that party to say that I have an encounter, transformational encounter with Christ. And who was he showing? The centerpiece of his party was not Matthew and not his food. Who was it? It was Jesus Christ. He was the centerpiece on the dinner table. He wanted to display Jesus Christ to everyone that I had this encountering story. When you plan your dinner or an event, then you come up with something that Jesus will be the centerpiece. You will have a section or a portion in that event where Christ is lifted up and He is shared, not your food, not your recipe. But you can use your recipe to go into that story. You can place something on the table so people will ask that question and say, what is that? Oh, 
This was something that when I was at that place, you know, I was in difficult place and had a life transformational encounter and I bring this to remember. And what was that? You know, I was in a bad place. I was making a lot of wrong decisions. But then I encountered Christ and my life has been, despite the challenges, I'm walking the narrow path and I'm making wise choices and better decisions in my life. You know, and you just share your story. You just share your story. Let other people make their own decisions. Make Christ as the centerpiece. That's what Matthew did. He made Jesus as the center of the display. That everybody will say, oh, oh he went to the, the Pharisees went to the disciples and said, why are they eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? You plan like Matthew. Make Jesus the centerpiece. And then deliver like Matthew. You deliver like Matthew. The message the Google vision statement, they have a new vision statement. Getting the world information in one click. Right? Very short. Precise. The message that Christ said here, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. That's, the, that's it. Right? And he said, the next one, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners do repentance. Everyone has an opportunity for a new beginning and a new life. Share your story on how an encounter with Jesus changed your life. I'm going to call the worship team to come up as we get ready to get the communion. So let's recap. Starting this month until August of next year that all of us will pray and have faith and look for opportunities that we're going to share the gospel to one person one person that have not heard the gospel before and no one is exempted our church got to do this. We have to do this. We have to do this. And I would like you to pray to come alongside the church to do that. We're not doing this because we want to do or we came up with some great idea. No, this is not our idea. This is the idea of the Lord. This is the teaching and command of the Lord. So that's what we want to pray. Start sharing this. In the coming days, we're going to have a seminar or a workshop on how to share the gospel to other people, how to share your faith, how to share your testimony to other people. And we, we're going to do this throughout the year. Now, when you have shared, starting today, to somebody about Christ and the gospel and the salvation, I would like, us, I would like you to give the name to us or to the staff or to the office or use the offering connection cards and say, I shared the gospel to this person. Give us the name because we want to pray with you to have that, that name with you. Okay. So I have a little bit of a homework. Starting today, I would like you to come up with five names 
five names that you're going to pray for the whole year. People that have not heard the gospel. Okay? And write that down and start praying over them that God will give you opportunity to share the gospel. It may not be a direct gospel. It could be starting with a coffee, with a meal, helping them do something, you know, giving them a ride. I don't know how it will happen, but God will make it happen. Start with five. If you don't have five names, have three names. If you don't have three names, but you got to have one name, right? And if you don't have one name, start praying to God to give you that person. I can tell you, the moment you get out of your house, you went to grab a coffee, and the one serving you is very likely not a Christian. The one you go to the gas station, the one who serves you at gas station, is very likely a, not a Christian. You go into the mall, and the one that the checking line out, probably not a Christian, many of them. And then you go to the restaurant, somebody is serving you, that is not a Christian. You go to your doctor, probably not a Christian. In a day, you're meeting five to six people that don't know the Lord, that are serving you directly every day. From your coffee, to your gas station, to the mall, to the groceries, to your doctor, to the cafeteria, restaurant that you're eating, and you come home and say, Lord, how am I going to share the gospel? I didn't meet anyone. So we look to the Lord and pray. The table is set for us. When our worship minister leads us in worship, I want you to approach the table, meditating, counting the cost of what Christ has done for you. Take the bread and the cup and have it. There is a placement for your cup on the table. Christ said, he broke the body and said, this is my body. You do it in remembrance of me. As often as you can. Our Lord Jesus took the cup and said, this is my blood. This is a new covenant. You did this in remembrance of me as often as you can. This is a new covenant that I've made with you. Christ died for us that we may have eternal life. That we may have eternal life. When we leave this earth, when our physical body dies, those who believe in Jesus Christ, that He is the Son of God, that He died for our sins, He was buried, and He rose again on the third day. And if you decide to follow His teachings and His life, when He returns in glory, He will receive you as His children and to reign with Him forever and eternally. As we bow our head this morning, Is there anyone that would like to make those commitments or say, I need prayer to come to term with the Lord and to encounter Him? Is there anyone that we can pray for you? You can use the connection card and put it your name or you can raise your hand and I can pray for you. You want to raise your hand quickly so I can pray for you if there's anyone? Yes. Yes. I can see your hand. Is there anyone that wants to have a new beginning and start over with the Lord Jesus Christ?
can raise your hand and I'll pray for you. Yes, I can see your hand. I can see your hand. This is between you and the Lord. Thank you. You can put down your hand. Yes, I can see your hand. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, I can see your hand. Thank you, Lord. You saw the hands of those people, Lord God. Let them move the mountain as they command the mountain to move. They took courage to raise their hand today, Lord. It's a faith, a size of a mustard seed, Lord. Let them experience the mountain being moved. For those who are not able to come forward, Jim is going to serve you. 